Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And um, look, we uh, we don't have a good way to start this show. Um, as I'm sure all of our listeners know, uh, I know this made international news. Um, there was a brutal, brutal race-motivated killing in Buffalo that left 10 people dead at a Topps grocery store. Um, I mean, Topps is, Topps is like more Western New York than Wegmans in a lot of ways because it, yeah. it, it never left. <laughs> um, and it just is a, is a heart-wrenching thing to have happened. And I talked briefly with the guys about it before, and, and we don't have a lot to add to whatever this is um this is this was not directly our community this we there are a million people who will tell you what to think about this you don't need anyone to tell you what to think about this i'm sure you have plenty of thoughts and feelings yourselves this hit me very hard um i'm just sort of been in a weird place anyway and um i uh i just fucking feel just brutal about this entire um episode that this happened so close to where um you know in, near enough to my parents home where where I grew up not exactly close but near enough and um certainly uh within the realm of the football team we talk about that is very much uh, a fan base um that is that is built into the fabric of the community much more so than many places uh and many sports and many sports teams um the bills and 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 the sabers uh, to some extent, are are absolutely woven into Buffalo, and so to do this podcast without at least acknowledging this um, and passing along those condolences w- would be wrong, and it would also be wrong to go on much longer because we don't we don't really have much to say. But I want to offer Paul and I want to offer Scott the opportunity to say something, um, and then we will talk about the NFL draft, which there is no graceful way to do that. So, right, uh, um, I, th- I Paul, think. Yeah, I think you covered all the everything I would want to say, Frank. It is did happen less than a mile from my college campus and about one mile, uh, the the publisher where I spent the first four years of my career working. So uh, it was a neighborhood I had uh, been through, would go through a lot every day. And so you see those tragedies so close to home and it it hits. And as Frank said, you know, are just you you wish the the best for all the people who are affected by uh, this this and the community of Buffalo. Uh, which, of course, includes the bills. And um, they've already said they're looking to do something uh, to help the the victims of the tragedy mm-hmm. in this upcoming season. And, and let's hope they do so. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not there's not. A, yeah, exactly. Like we've been saying, there's not a, there's not a ton new to say. Obviously, um, all of these things are 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 terrible, um, but they're all kind of uniquely terrible in their own ways because it's a different set of people that it happens to. And so there's no real. Um, you know, the fact that they, it happens more often doesn't make it any easier for everyone involved. So obviously just say, you know, sorry to those people and to their families. And um, I hope that they can get some peace um, soon. And that's it. Yeah, I 100 percent concur. And the last thing I'll say is you probably found this podcast on the Internet. And if you go on the Internet and and look up some of this, there are many, many people who are, are helping um the families that have been affected uh, and the neighborhood, because this is the only grocery store really in that neighborhood. So right now there are plenty of people who can't even um, go into the store to grocery shop, let alone might want to. I mean, there there is the physical you are not allowed in. And then there will be the emotional. I am afraid to go into tops. And so there are community outreach uh, donations and programs that you can participate in if you are so willing. And I encourage you to look into those and see if anything moves you. Um, because if it does, it does not hurt to be kind, uh, in these times. Um, as I said, I will not make a joke here, um, like I would normally do for a transition. Uh, and we will just gracelessly go over (laughs) to the NFL draft where the Buffalo Bills drafted a quarterback first overall, um, Kair Elam, uh, not related to Jason Elam. So now I can make a joke. Now that I'm in the draft, I will make a Jason Elam joke. Um, <laughs> Except, and, of course, uh, he is related to Jason Elam. Uh, oh, well, then there you go. Had no clue. 
Um, is he really? Yeah, yeah, I think it's his son, right? Scott, do you want to back this up on? No, I don't. No, no, it's not Jason Elam. You know who he's related to? That other Elam. <laughs> you know, the one who strip sacked J.P. Lossman in the Jets. Yes. yes. Yeah, no, yes. his dad played football, right. Right, but Abram, it was not Jason. Abram Elam played football at Kent State and in the NFL for seven seasons. His uncle, Matt Elam, um, also played football, but was a first-round selection in the draft. Not... Uh, not Jason Elam, the kicker. Yes. Jason Elam, place kicker. That we know of. I mean, just because it's not on Wikipedia doesn't mean they're not yeah. like sixth cousins four times removed. Um, by marriage. Right, by marriage, you know. Right. Okay, well, Jason Elam has an 80.7% field goal lifetime percentage. Um, Kair Elam chooses to intercept footballs. His father also did something against Trent Edwards, I believe. I believe, like, that was his era of time. Um, but you you know, the bills need defensive help. They need help in the secondary. There is always a concern that, you know, the best player available won't be the guy that is there. Um, they moved up slightly or did they move up slightly in the second round? No, slightly in the first round, slightly in the first round, um, flipping a very low pick, which frankly I'm fine with because I feel like, you know, you wanted to make sure to get, um, a guy, you know, they, I think Brandon Bean had said that there were, when they made the trade, there were three guys left and, and, or there was four guys left and two of them had gone. And so they felt like they wanted to get one of them, which is kind of interesting because it, it, you can do a little bit of math and look at the draft picks uh, slightly ahead of Elam and, and kind of realize what company he was in. Um, but yeah, they, they take him. He certainly projects to be a starter. Um, he does not fix the secondary all on his own, um, but he does that. And then the Bills, uh, they don't go wide receiver in the second round. They go running back, but they go scat back. Um, Chan Gailey thrilled that they signed a <laughs> scat back. Uh, he wanted to run up to the stage himself to announce James Cook, who appears to be a passing threat type running back. Um, we'll talk more about him as well. Terrell Bernard, uh, Khalil Shaker, who um, uh, or Shakir, excuse me who was graded as the best wide receiver by PFF. I take that for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, you get to the punt god, Matt Ariza, uh, or, or Ariza, uh, and then Christian Benford, and uh, who's a, another cornerback, uh, Luke Tenuta, uh, O-line in the sixth pit round, and linebacker Balen Spector um, in the seventh round. And so there's your slate, cornerback, running back, linebacker, wide receiver, punter, Cornerback, offensive lineman, linebacker, not a D lineman in the bunch. <laughs> which, I mean, if you had said disappointing, said, a, come on. I know. think I think a bet for and I'll turn this over to Scott now in a second. But but Scott, like if I had said, do you want to bet that they won't take a D lineman in the top three? You'd probably have to like hem and haw for a second. But to you know, it would have been a slam dunk to say they're going to take at least one D lineman period in the draft and and they didn't they 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 resisted the urge i suppose yeah no i mean uh, obviously we were all you know knew that we all saw that coming on some level so i'm glad i'm glad it, it didn't happen no offense to any of the fine fine defensive linemen in this draft but it just did not make sense for the bills to, to do that um so yeah i mean i think so we'll start with with um elam um yeah, it was pretty clear. I think I think what he was saying was they had first, like yeah, it's very clear like they had to take a corner. There was no way they weren't taking a corner. Everyone told them they needed to take a corner. Got it. He got the message. So what the, he was saying was I think they had four four first round graded cornerbacks that they were comfortable with and that Elam was kind of the last one of those, which is interesting and obviously the booth thing which Again, this is one where I didn't know um, that there was this, all these rumors out there about his health, which is why he dropped, uh, I think, well into the second round, if not mm-hmm. the third round, before he got drafted. And so in that case, Elam was really, yeah, there was, um, and not to toot my own horn a little bit, but I did kind of say, like, if we see a cornerback run happening uh, in at some point in the you know middle of the first round, we have to be prepared to move up. To, go. To, to your own horn all you want, because you you nailed this in the analysis. Well, exactly. as we covered yeah. as we covered last episode, you know, I mean, this is not the first time he's absolutely, you know, Scott Tradamist the 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 and the draft for the Bills. I'm, I'm a bit inside Brandon Bean's head, which is a little scary place to be. <laughs> um, but anyway, he yeah. So I think 
Elam's a good pick. Uh, I thought it would have been, you know, I, I, again for me, I, I, if if I had known Booth wasn't the was didn't have the medical kind of history, then I think Elam would have been an easy pick for me. Um, I think that makes sense. Um, moving on to James Cook, you know, um, I guess I have questions on this pick a little bit. I mean, I get that he he discovered the Hawaiian Islands and circumnavigated <laughs> New Zealand, but I don't know like how that translates to the football field per se. Like obviously a smart guy, you know, probably has a very hardy constitution, not, not injury prone. Cause you're going to be not scurvy prone either. Exactly. Right. I think it would have not going to have difficulty on the West coast road trips. He'll be fine with the travel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but you know, how is he going to work with the team? Is he going to be comfortable kind of taking orders per se, you know, from let's say McDermott is the, the new captain of the ship per se. And now he's kind of, one of the lower lower ranked guys, like I don't know if that's going to work as well. So, um, yeah, of Captain James Cook, an odd choice, but you know, we needed the depth at running back. What are you going to do? Right. I mean, if he's if your running back's been dead two hundred forty two years, you know what? Those are the compromises you need to make. <laughs> I think you guys are downplaying the travel though, because although he would be fine with the travel, I'm worried he'll want to sail. And when you've got to get to L.A., like he he needs to leave now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> To, to get, get to the canal, California on time. If, the, if he gets caught and down in those roaring 40s and he can't get through the canal, like, yeah. who knows if we're going to see him again. Anyway, um, but no, I mean, in terms of James Cook, the Georgia running back, I think that that pick also, uh, I I am not terribly in love with it. For me, like, yeah, it's, it's nice, but to me, any offensive pick is really just a luxury at this point. Like, it just is. Like, okay. this team is so overpowered on offense that I could have... And, and frankly, I feel the same on the with the, the the third round pick, the linebacker who you know, great. It seems like a Milano clone. We already have a Milano. Like we don't need another one. Like yeah, depth is nice, but depth is nice at all your positions. And you know, there's depth on other there's other depth areas that were thinner than than linebacker, arguably. Like where mm-hmm. we barely, we're not even sure we really got a starter um, in our in our kind of. Uh, in our secondary with Kyer Elam. So I would have been fine going back to another corner. Um, I, I can't kill them per se on, on drafting Cook because he does seem like a good pick. Obviously, he's going to be faster than Singletary, which is a huge, huge plus. Um, but at the same time, like, if he if he gets one game that he helps us win this year, is it worth it? Maybe. But it, I'm not sure it's going to be one game because – right. With the amount of points this this offense scores, I'm not I'm not really sure how much it works. So anyway, that, right. Matt, a- Matt Breida was great in one game last year against the Jets. Had a couple touchdowns. They probably would have Bills would have won maybe only by twenty if he didn't play that day instead of yeah. 30 points. Yeah, a little of that. I, I I wonder if he is and and uh, Shakir as well are you know replacement contracts more so than anything else. Right. To me, I'm wondering if they're stacking talent not necessarily just for this but ultimately you're going to step away from Devin Singletary and Zach Moss I don't think either one of them has really done anything to convince you to sign them to a longer contract so you want maybe that guy in here and if I remember right they 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 trade down in the second round which means that corners like you know Cam Taylor Britt and safety Brian Cook like they weren't well maybe they wanted Brian Cook and that was it but I mean like some of these guys in here they weren't particularly thrilled with um that they could have taken so I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, I also I, think there, I, were, I, were, there were better fits at linebacker, I thought. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. My boy, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, I know was on the board in the third round. That would have been an easy pick. Um, there were other guys that seemed like they had more immediate kind of upside potential. Yeah, Leo uh, Chanel goes to the Chiefs. Channing yeah. Tindall also went to the Dolphins at linebacker. Um, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. Paul? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, you would you like to talk about thoughts on the I draft? I feel like you want to yeah. talk about the first couple picks before we get yeah. into the depth there. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, I, I think Scott is our draft expert for a reason. He hits most of these. Um, Elam, the, Trey White was very coy this weekend about whether he's going to be back in time for the start of the regular season, which I think means he doesn't know. Uh, so that would now be, uh, without the draft of Elam, you're looking at Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis on the outside with Teron Johnson on the inside. That's a problem when you're starting off against the Rams uh, on, a, on a Thursday night, which we'll talk about later. So absolutely in need. Uh, even if he ends up being a capable depth corner uh, at some point, I know that's weird to say for being a first-round pick. 
I am okay once Tredavious is healthy and as long as this guy can either push Dane Jackson to be better, like everyone they brought in to replace Levi Wallace just pushed Jackson Wallace to be better and eventually earn a, a decent contract from the Steelers. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, same with Elam. I agree with Scott on on uh, the navigator, as I call him, James Cook, navigating from sideline to sideline. Um, I think Singletary might have done more toward the end of the regular season to really kind of secure his spot, and maybe he'll be a complimentary guy, uh, James Cook, that is. But then where does this leave Zach Moss? You just signed Duke Johnson. Taiwan Jones is seems always largely guaranteed to make the team as a special teamer. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there it, it was kind of a luxury pick, as Scott said. And then, yeah, the last of the... Uh, the early round picks. Um, yeah. It, like you're looking for, are you really looking for Milano clones? I mean, they've got two linebackers. They're going to be under contract forever unless they decide to move on from Tremaine Edmonds after this season, which I would find unlikely whether I think it should happen or not. It's another story. Um, yeah. I, th- I think there were probably better options on the board that Scott had mentioned as well, but you know what? There's a reason Brandon Bean is Brandon Bean. So I'll, I'll trust him that they made a decent assessment on this. That's funny. We'll have to talk about that more because I, I do think Tremaine Edmonds is kind of on you the block You think he's out of cost? Because this is his fifth year. This is his last year under contract. They haven't extended yeah, him. Yeah, they'd have to extend him and do it. And I'm wondering, I think he'll demand a bigger contract than they'll want to give. He seems like a cap casual to me, casualty to me, given some of the other big contracts that have been handed out. Now, that said, they've shown that they can they can move money around and they're willing to. So that's good. But... I don't know. I mean, he's very young. I think other teams might outprice the the bills in that market, but we'll have to see um, about it. Uh, yeah, I don't. Um, do you want me I, to talk about the, the the rest of the picks, or do you want to go? We to should. We should. We really only have one. I think that's probably going to make the team, arguably two. So I'm interested in your assessment of that. Yeah. Well, how does how does the punt god do at holding? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing, right? He's said he's been working on it, which obviously is a huge, huge thing because we already have like one of the best kickers in the league, which we another kind of sixth round pick, if I'm not mistaken, yep. with yeah, Tyler Bass. Um, so obviously hope he works out as well as Tyler Bass has. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he he's obviously, yeah, he's he's got an incredible leg and it's good to flip position when you need it. Um, hopefully we don't need it too much, as Frank was pointing out in some of our yes. text scenes that that is not a thing that that we're going to be relying on. And if you can't make a coffin corner kick, then that just means we should go for it more when we're in the kind of green zone of right inside the 50, but below, uh, but outside the red zone. Um, and then, yeah, the Khalil Shakir pick, again, it seems like an interesting kind of pick, you know, maybe again, a bit of a luxury, but not, uh, not a terribly, not a, a, a horrific um, kind of, reach on some level but it does right. kind of but does like sit eighth on the bill's depth chart right now at his position for what a round yeah. four pick round five pick yeah mm-hmm. that's that and then you also you also have like it seems like again like maybe it's a bit of a replacement for beasley but it's yeah. like we have mckenzie and, and we, we have jameson crowder that we got we yeah jameson crowder who we got so it's like those were the replacements kind of for beasley so let's not um overdo it on kind of slot wide receivers who can you can be gadgety with part of me also wonders if this is like a ken dorsey pick where like ken dorsey's like i really need um you know a, a gadget guy now that you know yeah. beasley's gone or i need a you know i don't you know i want mckenzie to do this but we need another one or, or something like that and so that that becomes the I, I guess it's interesting it'll be interesting to see this is dorsey's first graph to see how much these guys are used in his offense and he's got roles for them picked out in his head versus kind of maybe what we've seen in Dable in previous years, who was already obviously a fairly creative guy. Mm. And, and Dorsey will have some of that imprint, I'm sure. But but it's still going to be Dorsey's Dorsey's offense at this point. Yeah, because I, I think when I, that was actually great because I wanted to and, and Paul chime in, of course. Um, th- I wonder if the draft was shaping or taking the shape of the offense, because we know that there's going to be differences. You know, we, they went and picked up OJ Howard who, um, yeah, like he's not a super marquee tight end, but you don't go get him to just like back up Dawson Knox. I think he's there to play a specific role. Yeah. I think this is going to be like, um, you know, uh, Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski with hopefully less tragedy ensuing, but you know, uh, I think that was a, a dynamic combination and, 
Bills are hoping for maybe not something as dynamic, but at least something similar. Right. And they haven't rushed to replace wide receivers. Like, yes, they get Crowder, but, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they lost um, Cole Beasley. Mm -hmm. And so it might be, you know, passing is going to go to more places um, and it won't go to, um, you know, and, and maybe you just don't need somebody in somebody in this group obviously is duplicative and won't be kept. But I think that some of it, too, might reflect um, a different some of the different philosophies that will come into, um, you know, playing for the bills. I, I think, you know, if you can get options who can get open that's obviously the most dangerous because, you know, then you're forced to either cover or watch Josh Allen. And I don't think he's done running for touchdowns either, Josh Allen. So I, I think that, you know, you, you, you can play a little loose with running back because the running threat for the last two years has come from Allen. And I think he's kind of shown like that's an OK thing to do. I, I know like we, it's super skittish when you have your 40 million dollar man doing it. But that's also part of why he gets his 40 million dollars and part of the reason that people get open is they have to account for him. And so we'll see if, if cook and um, Shakir and, and aforementioned Howard, et cetera, uh, can end up, end up doing that. And hopefully uh, again with punk God, you nailed this God. I was sort of thrilled that like, he's not a good mid range punter. He's a really good long punter. And that's perfect for me. Cause I don't need anybody having any more excuses to like, think flipping the field is a good idea on fourth and short or on the plus side of the field, uh, especially with this offense. Um, so that's the draft, unless anybody has thoughts on Balen Spector or Luke no. Tenuta. Yeah, okay. my only thought on that is we, we do have the expanded practice squads that we don't talk about much. So I, I I won't talk about these guys individually, but I will note there is a chance they do appear in a Bills uniform and play some mm -hmm. games. Uh, we saw that with some later round draft picks last year, didn't make the team, but eventually were elevated for certain games. So I don't mean to uh, discount them in any way, but I would doubt any of these guys are going to make the active roster out of training camp unless there's right. an injury or a trade or something like that. Special teams kind of. Yes. Yeah. If, yeah. If one of them ends up being like a special teams uh, oh, God, like, uh, was that guy Johnson that they traded to Carolina, Daryl Johnson, they traded to Carolina. Like, yeah, right. maybe then, then the guy earns a spot. And, and you need bodies for camp because yep. camp is important too. So, you know, at some point you just got to use the picks. Um, Jalen Weidermeyer, Neil Pau, Kingsley, Jonathan, Malik Williams, Prince Emily, Tanner Owen, Trayvon Fuller, Raheem Blackshear, uh, Derek Kersetter, Alec Anderson. Uh, these are the undrafted free agents uh, that the Bills have signed per Buffalo Rumblings. Thank you, Buffalo Rumblings. Um, normally we play. Uh, and I think a, Sal Capaccio adds Will Ulmer to that list. You might have. Okay. Said it, but yes. Did, but yeah. I was going to say normally we play a fun game of like, is this a real UDFA or not? Or what other career does the UDFA have? But um, not this week, which is right. To, like Kingsley know. Jonathan would have been great to do this with. He now is added to my list with Mansfield Rotto of the most uh, 19th century sounding of the Bills undrafted free agents in the past. Right. T um, cheerio. Tip tip. Um, <laughs> Prince Amelia has got to be on there, too, of course. Yeah, he right. <laughs> uh, the Bills have a schedule. Um, I don't get into the schedule talk like the week of the schedule, like it becomes like crazy. But I, I kept getting sucked in because I kept wanting to know if the Bills were going to open the season and um, open the NFL season, not just their season. Obviously, they're opening their season. Um, and of course, more important than the actual schedule is once the actual schedule out comes out, wacky schedule can begin um, or at least begin begun to be thought of. Um, and uh, so it's out. And sure enough, the the Buffalo Bills have a plethora of pinatas, if you if you will, uh, Bills schedule 2022. Um, they have two preseason games against the Colts and the Broncos, both at home. Very nice for them so far. Uh, and then they travel to open on Thursday night football against the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, I saw an initial line that had the Bills favored, and now I'm seeing the Rams by one or a little bit more. Um, so. It's it's hard to get much more respect than that. Then here you go. You know, potential Super Bowl matchup, possibly just missed Super Bowl matchup against the Rams. They open their home season 
on the second, you know, two weeks and, and two primetime games, they, they ho- open a hosting game against the Titans. Um, then they have a 425 against the Chiefs later in the year. I'm just kind of go through the primetimes, followed by an 820 uh, Sunday night football against the Packers. They have a 1230 Thanksgiving Day start against the Lions, followed by an 815 Monday night football, I believe, start against the Patriots. Uh, and then they have the I think Dolphins. That's Thursday night, actually. But is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. OK, you're right. Um, and then they have a TBD against the Dolphins on either December 18th or uh, December on December 18th. Or I think that can be switched. Yeah, I think they'd be the 17th the as well. Yeah, it can be Saturday 18th. or Sunday. That right. Week. Just says 18th in the schedule. So it could be 17. I thought it might be somebody to be 17, 18. Um, they, have an, uh, they have a Monday night football game against the Bengals in the second last week of the season. And then they have a TBD with the Patriots in the final week of the season, uh, January 8th. I believe both of those TBDs are big candidates against the Dolphins and Patriots to flip to a Sunday night game if the division is at all close. Um but the NFL schedule makers have made clear that they that the people want to watch the Bills. Um, and that's a big ask for a small market because Dallas and Washington and New York and Boston, like I mean, the and Philly, like the NFC East has been terrible for a while, and they will routinely get four, five, six, you know, between the four teams, they'll get 10, 12 uh uh primetime slots just solely based on market. Um and so for the Bills to do that as a as the smallest or close to the smallest market in the NFL. That's huge. And it speaks volumes about, you know, Josh Allen's star power and the team's, the team's wherewithal. Um, but the schedule is there. I didn't announce, I didn't read all of the games. Um, Paul, do you have any thoughts on yeah. the schedule? Did that? Yeah. Give us some. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is a, it's a, it's a fun schedule. It's the the most fun schedule I would say we've had in years. I used to mm-hmm. theorize for a long time, including on this podcast, a lot of people would say, Boy, the Bills just don't don't get any national respect with the lack of primetime games. And I always asserted, you know, no, they just reserve primetime games for teams that are good. And the Bills have in the past for many years until recent years not been good. Well, guess what? Now you're opening the NFL season against the defending Super Bowl champions. Your penultimate game is again on Monday night against the defending AFC champions. You have primetime games all over the place. You have your third Thanksgiving game day game. In four seasons, you have a, a nationally televised 425 matchup against the Chiefs. Uh, you know, to paraphrase Ricky Bobby, uh, if you like Sunday at 1 p.m. games, then fuck you. Uh, that is essentially what the NFL schedule makers uh, have said uh, as far as the bills go. So this is going to be uh, exciting. I'm going to have some uh, pre-scheduled days off of work after some of these, no doubt. Uh, poor Scott. Uh, we'll have some games. He's... I am one of those guys. The NFL is saying, fuck you, too. Yes. Oh, my God, games, they are. Which are Sunday 6 p.m. games for me. Yep. Six times, Scott's get at least six times. They could flex the other games, the Miami or the yeah. New England games. Oh, yeah. notes. So this could be a rough year for Scott's uh, viewing habits, unfortunately, unless he sneaks back across the sea for, for some of these games. I, I, I envision a number of Scott going to bed and waking up for the game situations and then either turning it off early or tuning in late kind of deals. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the year plays out. There's, there's right. a, I mean, there's the good thing is like a Thursday night game, you could just take off a Friday that, that week. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, they love it when I do that at the office. The <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing, Especially nothing the people I work with. They also appreciate me just taking off to watch football. They really love that. Well, it's not like you have a time sensitive job where yeah, it's right. funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I mean this is a this is a real I want to say I'll I'll forgive the 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 current current phrase but this is a real wacky schedule if you ask me. Um, I think I mean some of this is yeah I got it we're a first place team and so you you play a you play a first place schedule you play the division winners and you play the division winners in the in the opposite league and 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 that's gonna you're gonna end up with more more teams on that but boy the the first you know, what is it? Seven weeks here is Rams, Titans, is is five division winners and the Dolphins and the Ravens. And like the Dolphins, right. like, we'll see what happens again. They might be hot garbage again this year. It's entirely possible. Right, but even last year, they're hot garbage year. They were still nine and eight and played the Bills tough once. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, well, the, Steelers, the Ravens are going mean, to the Ravens are going to be a pain. Um, yeah. 
they're they're I mean Jackson will be presumably healthier at that point. And yeah, the Steelers, you're right. Well, they will have they'll be going through their quarterback transition. But again, they, it's not like they beat us 45 to 40 last year. They beat right. us 17 to 10. And right. Their they, defense is still there. <laughs> they could squeeze out two touchdowns here. And, and if they, we play like we did last year, then we're going to lose again. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's not an easy season. Obviously, we're going to – I think the I think the critical things will be – I don't think we're going to need to get up for opening night Thursday against the Super Bowl champs. I don't think we need to get up for, uh, you know, basically – uh, Sunday night against the Chiefs or Sunday afternoon against the Chiefs or against the Packers on Halloween. Um, it's or, gonna or opening day, Monday night against Tennessee, who they haven't beaten in a few years. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think the it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, the Thanksgiving Day game, you should be able to get up for that. But like at the Browns in week 10, like that's a dangerous game to me. At the Vikings, they're a dangerous team. Like they got... Good quality, like Cousins is a is a dangerous quarterback if you get him on the wrong day. And they got Justin Jefferson, who obviously the, they, they got for Stefan Diggs. So he's going to be motivated in that game to show that the Vikings got the better of that deal. Um, you have this dumb fucking thing where we have to play the Pats twice in the course in the course of like six, six weeks. weeks again, again yeah. four, four straight damn years. The Bills have had the Pats twice in the last five games of the season. And it's, Four it's, times in which a row. Is just, just trolling us with just like, well, you're, you thought you were doing well, but you have to go through the path twice at the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, um, it'll be, you know, we're going to have to, it, it's, uh, you know, I think last year is very instructive for this team. And hopefully they understand what it means, you know, going forward that, you know, for us to be where we want to be, home field means a lot. And having division yeah. means a lot. And you, obviously you could put it down to the last 13 seconds, or you could put it down to the defense, not stopping anybody. Um, you could put it down to home field advantage and maybe right. that's the difference in the Jacksonville in well. week, whatever. Right. Exactly. So you have to be able to bring it every week in that second half of the season. When, if everything's going according to plan, we've done fairly well playing the best teams in the league and we're, you know, in the lead in the division and there's no one really close. And maybe the Pats are hanging around there, but um, it's going to be bringing it every week because we didn't have the division sewn up until really, Week 16 last year, right? Week no, 17. it's the last game. Because yeah, remember, technically they to, the last game. They had to, like, they had to beat the Jets or they had to have Miami beat the Patriots. Right, but once they beat the Patriots, it kind of was in the second one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was going to need the the perfect the perfect things go everything. Right, it was going to need blowing it against the Jets at home, which you know, right. to the credit, the Bills tried to do for three quarters of that game. <laughs> yeah, so um, no, I mean, it's it's a good schedule, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and and you you will have your shit laid bare if you if you if you have the the donkey game against the Steelers, um, like you did last year, and you have it against the Titans or the Packers, like the whole world's gonna watch this time. So I don't think that's gonna happen. I really like. We can talk more about this obviously throughout the summer, but like I don't have any. I don't have any worries that this team's like, like any of these games are too big for the bills. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be like a question before, like, Oh, well, are we ready to like, you know, close out the Patriots on Monday night or something? And and again, obviously those are the Tom Brady years, but to me, like that's not going to be what any of these games are. Like the, the bills are thoroughly mature and talented enough to open the season against the Rams and win and frankly win, Um, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm looking at this schedule and I feel like, you know, I mean, I personally am I'm thinking like 14 wins is doable and probably enough for a, a one seed. You know, there's some wiggle room there. It's not a it's not a lock. There's obviously tough games. But, you know, if they didn't open against the Rams, I wanted them to open against the Patriots. And I just I felt like the good news is you'd have the opportunity to bury the Patriots early. And just sort of fucking let them eat that all season and think about it, you know, like a, a, an ass whipping, um, you know. But as it stands, we'll we'll get to them when we get to them. Um, but yeah, the the uh, you know, um, the other nice thing is like if you're gonna lose to the Rams, like that's okay, right? Like schedule wise and record wise, yeah, that is that's actually kind of game you'd want yeah. you'd be okay losing. Doesn't really hurt your your AFC standings, but. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't even hurt common opponents in your division because none of your other divisional opponents. No one else is going to yeah. play them, right? Um, but yeah, to Scott's point, immediately you're looking at Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, um, you know, every other week, and you'd assume some of those teams are going to be 
looking to win their division, right? Like, and so would be competing you for seeding. Um, the Dolphins you want to handle, like, I, I think, you know, I, I don't really, I can't really wrap my head around believing that, like, we're going to we, get We could Dolphins. do a 60 minute Kale? podcast on feelings about the Dolphins, I yeah. think. Like, just because I, I think about them a lot and I don't know if I should because I, yeah, I, I should stop. I, I I don't I don't think that Tariq Hill is Kelvin Benjamin, but I do think that them getting Tariq Hill is kind of like all those years of, well we got this guy and I we got To is going to make Trent Edwards so much better right or, or Sammy Watkins is going to make EJ light up this year yeah and not even just offensive guys like well you know we're well we got uh whoever I I think you've you've nailed it you know like it's like he can have a fine season and it might not ultimately matter to the dolphin season period. Um, but yeah, by the end of that first half, you know, you've, you've sort of, you've sort of, um, played a lot of the teams that you want to have tiebreakers with. If you're going into the back half of the season, I will, I will quickly correct Scott that, you know, the Vikings and Browns are both in Buffalo. You said at those teams and they weren't, it is not my, I don't care, but some, one of our jerk fans will probably like get on our ass about don't it. Don't at me. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. at me. You can't find at, me. And at Scott, not on Twitter. Right. And to, and to indicate that Frank and I don't even know how to access Scott on Twitter. And that yeah. is literally true. He's yeah. allegedly out there somewhere, but we don't I, know. I don't believe he is. I think it's a work. Okay. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see. It is absolutely a first place schedule and it is a, it is a schedule befitting of a team that is the Las Vegas favorite to win the Super Bowl. So yikes. Um we'll have to get into all of that deeper and more uh throughout the summer as things happen. Rookie mini camp started, but we're not going to talk about it. They just they went everybody yeah. signed under contract. I think that's all we should say about it. Um but we should move on to listeners' questions in this day in Bill's headlines. All right. So thanks to the listeners for our questions. I gave a full seven hours of notice today. Sorry for the lateness, but uh Greg our old friend asks, any thoughts on the new USFL and will it survive? I often take these first, but I will defer. I'm going to kick it over to Frank because I can do that once. Frank? I f- forgot completely that there was a new <laughs> USFL. I remember being like excited seeing some of the headlines, uh, and I haven't thought about it since. I am guessing that is indicative of some of it um, based on nothing, just just based on the fact that, like, I'm not hearing about it at all. I don't think that bodes well for the USFL. I think this will be another thing that sort of makes a little bit of money for somebody and ultimately loses a lot of money for a lot of people. And maybe the NFL will buy some part of it to like ameliorate costs and just not deal with it. And I kind of guess that's what's going to happen. But I, I maybe I'm wrong. I just I really I'm going, oh, yeah, the gamblers, they brought that back and haven't thought about it in a month. I do Scott, not did you know there was a USFL? I, I think I remembered seeing it at some point come up. I'm trying to read, like, um, I'm trying to read, like, rule things. They have a three-point conversion from the 10-yard line uh, cool. is allowed. Um, that was apparently an XFL thing. Right. Um, then there'll be, uh, there's a neat overtime thing where you basically, um, get a coin toss for offense or defense, and then you have three alternating two-point attempts and which point team has the most after three tries of the winner, and then you go to sudden death. So it's kind of like half hockey, half, uh, you know, college, you know, Kansas overtime rolls, and half, like, soccer, because it's like a penalty shot. Um, so that's three halves, which is a good good way to start. Um, Fox Sports owns the league, so that is interesting. And I guess it's going to be played money. entirely, entirely in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, even though all of the teams will be like from other places, um, they are going to only play games in Birmingham for some reason. So I don't really know how that. What's that's literally to keep costs down, I'm sure, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's like I can't imagine that the uh, fans of the Philadelphia Stars are going to be like. You don't think the Pittsburgh Mahler fans will will travel? Well, like, how is this your team when you do not <laughs> see them play games in your town? Like, are they going to shine? It, are they going to sign uh, things at shoe stores? Maybe I don't know. Are they going to open? Yeah, the they have they have eight teams, which is better than the last time there was an Arena Football League, which is good. Um, well, wait, 
what do you mean the last time there's an Arena Football League? Wait, who was the league? Washington Valor? Who did they play for? What was that? Yeah, the Arena Football League. At some point, there was, and and thank you for this question because we are off the fucking rails. Uh, Washington <laughs> Valor was an Arena Football League, and at the time, they won the championship in 2018. There was only four teams in the entire league. They all played in the division, and the they had only two wins, I think, on the season, if I ha- remember this right. But everybody made the playoffs, so they won the title, even though they only had two wins. And then, then they're, now they're not a team anymore. But Correct. You know, they've, they've come and the arena football has like come and gone a couple of times. Yeah, the arena football league was a professional indoor football. I remember. League. I thought it was still a thing. Oh, they ceased operations following the 2019 season. Okay, I so it's the that. National Arena League and the American Arena League, which are minor league indoor football teams but the afl the arena football league gonzo yes ended in 2019 basically the pandemic and the fact that uh, yeah that'll yeah pandemic will do it i um you know what i'm interested in the usfl only if only because look at all the top rated tv shows every year they're all football this is yeah. a very widely watched sport and this is a dead zone time of year especially for uh, people like Frank and I, whose baseball team has gone from World Series champion to barely watchable in the course of three seasons. Um, so, you know, the spring opens up a little bit for some sports viewing. So I'm interested to see if the the appetite will allow for, you know, uh, people to engage in more football in the offseason. So I think it's going to survive at least a few years, but we'll see if Fox Sports has the money to keep it propped up. Did, should we Should we announce the names of the teams at all? Does anybody care? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, we got the New Jersey Generals, the Philadelphia Stars, the Michigan Panthers, the Pittsburgh Maulers, currently in last place at one and four. Uh, the Stallions are from Birmingham. Uh, I think it's kind of lame that they get the coolest name and they get to play all the games in Birmingham. I think, you know, not surprised they're five and oh. Uh, New Orleans Breakers, the Breakers, like a wave breaking kind of thing. Um, yeah. The Tampa Bay Bandits and the Houston Gamblers, which, you know, would be Jim Kelly's team. Right. Or at least the name. They kept a couple of the names. The New Jersey Generals kept their name, too. Yeah. And the Stallions. Uh, It's funny you bring that up. I just bought a Buffalo Stallions T-shirt because there was a soccer team in Buffalo in the early 80s called the Stallions. I used to go to games at when I was a mere child. I think this is all well and good. And in one week, the CFL opens um, preseason week one, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan, 5 p.m. Monday. So, I mean, we'll see if they can handle the juggernaut that is the ah. call me on June 9th when the CFL opens and let me know if uh, if if the USFL can rate with Montreal versus Calgary. Yeah, because I think Winnipeg at Saskatchewan is known as the uh, Chris Jericho Cup, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Welcome to Raw is yeah, CFL is Jericho. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All, right. um, all right. Greg had one more question for us. Is the hype around the punt got overrated, especially with this offense and more teams willing to go for it on fourth down. Frank's addressed a lot of this already. I will kind of snake answer this. And then we can go to Scott and finish with Frank. Um, possibly, you know, punters, you never know how they're going to translate from, you know, college to pros. You know, this techniques are largely the same, of course. But as we've brought up, the, the holding thing is a, a big deal. I don't think there's any debate that Corey Bajorquez was a much better punter than Matt Hawk. You can also argue that Corey Bajorquez's poor holding was more costly to the Bills during 2020 than Matt Hawk's mediocre punting was during 2021 when he held the ball especially well and Tyler Bass just picked it up even to another level. So it could be. And yeah, with this offense and the fact that I think anytime the Bills are on like not any time, but most times the Bills are on like a fourth and fourth, a 45 or midfield. They're probably going to go for it, uh, depending on game situations. So, I, I think it might be overrated, Scott. I, I guess what is it, how much rating are people doing of our yes. sixth round punter? Like, like who, who is? This is the only thing we have to discuss with the draft now. <laughs> I, I, I half these players aren't going to make the right? team like, out of training camp. He's going to sign. He's he's cheap with a lot of upside. He's going to sign a sixth round punter contract. And so, we can. And if it doesn't work out, we'll find another fucking punter. Like it's right. not a big fucking deal. Like it's just like literally, it'll be a funny joke. It'll be a this day in Bill's headlines. Thing this guy was known as the punt now. god. He only lasted four games because he couldn't hold for 
uh, all Pro Bowl Tyler Bass. Right. Yeah. Pro Bowler M- Super Bowl MVP Tyler Bass. <laughs> Hopefully with the Bills. Four-time yes. Super Bowl MVP. Tyler. Right. Four-time. Tyler Bass. Four-time New England Patriots Super Bowl MVP Tyler. <laughs> when the Bass. when the Bills win Super Bowl. 39 to 10 off the strength of 13 Tyler Bass field goals all from 45 plus yards. It's going to be great. Um, all right. Last question. We'll start with Scott on this one. Cause we did not start with him on any. This is from Micah Dorn and Frank and I touched upon this a little bit. How much did Miami close the gap with the bills in the off season and have they moved past the Patriots in the AFC East pecking order? Okay. Like they haven't closed the gap with the bills. <laughs> Frank right? is like, like, fuck Scott. I'm jumping in on this. No, fuck. <laughs> shut up, Scott. Whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a date, okay? Um, <laughs> oh, go ahead. You got yeah, the mic, like right? I cough now. I'm, I just ruined it. All right, exactly. Scott, you go yeah. ahead. No, I was also going to say zero chance, and I was going to say zero, zero gap closed on the Bills. Um, like, whatever, like, yes, Tyreek Hill is a nice player. No one's going to be able to fucking throw him the ball. Um, I'm just going to say, uh, for I've already started working on Wacky Schedule. Um, there, There is, uh, I think, a more dangerous option at play um, but not, um, but, but let's just say we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to spoil the, spoil the stew before it's cooked. So we'll, we'll have to wait, uh, dear listeners for that, that, that little treat coming, but, um, I'm just making up metaphors as I it's go good. along. Um, in terms of, are they, are they second to the Pats? No, I don't think so. That is a more debatable question. That is at least a legitimate, a more legitimate question than that asinine question that was posed before just just teeing off on that it was just the opener he was just trying to like it's just warming me up yeah absolutely um no i i think uh i think the thing is is that belichick is still able to make that defense work and the pats have put together some pieces on offense a bit um to kind of help flesh out the the three yard and and a cloud of dust offense that they're planning on running this season so I think they will they will do a little better. They did not the the Jets did not have a or excuse me the Jets, the the Patriots did not have a particularly good draft. I will say that it didn't seem like. So I'm not sure that that's going to help them a lot. Um, I think if anything, the the team that's taking the biggest strides is the Jets. And I'm not saying I'm concerned about the Jets, but if you if you told me at the end of the season that the Jets were the second best team in the division, I don't think I'd be shocked. Yeah, I, I I sort of agree. I think the counter to that is, though, you, you they've built that team, the, the Patriots have that three yards in the cloud dust. I think that will make them a little tricky to beat sometimes. Like they they're that that's a team that could steal like a game. in a game where there's 75 mile an hour wins. Precisely. Yes. Right. Like they could that like. But I don't I can't see them being good. The Dolphins could accidentally be good. Right. What's the accident? The accident is that we have all been wrong about Tua Tagovailoa. He really did suffer some injury stuff. He ha- was putting it together, and this is the type of receiver that will help open him up. But I think, you know, a la Josh Allen rookie year to the next, he'd have to show something that he hasn't shown yet. Right. And I think, you know, which is just like the new favorite thing if you go on Twitter. Well, this guy is like Josh Allen in that X. I don't think he is. I don't believe him. I think he's had enough time to show something new. I think he's exactly who everybody said he was, a control passer with a fucking noodle arm. And, and you know, I'm sorry. They, the, the Dolphins tweeted out the video of, you know, sorry, hey, a look. rocket, a very uh, liberal definition of a rocket, I believe. Right. And it was like, here it is for the first time throwing a deep ball of the cheetah. And like he threw it up in the air and it came down. And basically Tariq Hill had to turn around, was turning around and like fielded it like a punt that catch. <laughs> and I'm like, if that's how you want to use Tariq Hill, by all means, like I'm not at all worried. Right. Give Micah um, Hyde 45 minutes to settle under that ball. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think they'll manage to get him involved differently. And I think that like, we'll look back at these dolphins games and be like, yeah, that was crazy. How Tariq Hill had like two touchdowns and 152 yards. Thank God we beat them 45 to 18. It, you know, it'll be like, yeah, he can do some stuff and he'll cause damage, but the team as a whole, I don't believe in, I, cause I don't believe in the quarterback. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if they finished second ahead of the Patriots. I think that's what I would guess. 
I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots were DFL and, you know, we're talking about uncomfortable conversations about Bill Belichick having to move on from the team or not. Um, Cause I don't think they have, I really think like they have, they have, um, they basically have two Atega Viola at quarterback, but also know that he's bad and will just try and run the ball. And so they, they have the defense. I think that's right. But like, there's know. only really two teams that deserve to be excited in the AFC East coming into the season, and it's the Bills and the Jets, really. Right. The Jets have made a ton of strides. They just were coming from Siberia. So, yeah. you know, they still have a ways to go. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I, they, the, the Bills beat the, the Bills were 11 games better than the Jets in 2020 and seven games better last year. I don't know. I, I'm not sure the Bills yeah. will be seven games better than the Jets in 2021. But if they're if they're four or five games better than the Jets, that's fine by me too. Because yes. <laughs> it is all just like way behind me at this point. I'm sorry, I just don't. You know, I had this bravado at the beginning of last year, and we got smacked around in the opener against the Steelers. But ultimately, the Bills we had were. To, we, had to, we had to go to this week week right. 17 to win the division. Frank was never in doubt. Yes, different route, same result to the stadium ending, the season ending, and Arrowhead in the playoffs. Uh, right. And yeah, just on on the Miami thing. The two approaches we didn't really take. The Bills were two games better than the Dolphins last year. They swept the Dolphins, so if they, that ends up being a split, that's a one-game difference. You look at their unique games, and the Bills have the Rams and the Titans and the Chiefs, and the Dolphins have San Francisco and the Texans and the Chargers. Could very well see the Dolphins making up a game there. So those tangential facts help them. Yeah, I think Tagovailoa is going to even look worse this year because people have seen more film on him, and he's average. And yeah, good defense, solid supporting people on offense, young players that are developing in their, you know, uh, from the last couple of seasons that were higher draft picks, all going to help. But I just don't see them closing it. But I do think they can surpass the Patriots, and that the Patriots, as Matthew Judon's Twitter showed, didn't really do much to get better in this offseason, and, and did kind. Of, it's, I don't want to assess their draft because obviously it's way too early and you never know what's going to happen. But it's not like they made a lot of noise in the draft or traded up for a star player. If they hit on this draft, it's going to be because they just made smart value picks at various positions. So would not be surprised if they surpassed the, the, the Patriots. I don't see them closing the gap on the Bills all the way. And I think the Jets agreeing with Scott will be the most improved team in the, the division. Okay. Thank you so much for that. And now you have duty again. Oh, yeah, I know. I was, I was taking a breath. <laughs> How dare you? I know. All um, right. So yes. Are we ready? All right. Here we go. This day in Bill's headlines, guys. May 17th, 10 headlines dating back uh, from the last 33 years. Um, so here we will. We'll start with 2021. Low round draft status doesn't temper blanks. High expectations with Bill's. Cracking the lineup of a Super Bowl contender returning most of its starters is even harder. There will be competition for the starting corner spot opposite Tredavious White, but moving ahead of incumbents Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, perhaps even Cam Lewis will acquire exceptional eye-popping stuff through the offseason and training camp. Rashad Wild Goose? Rashad Wild Goose. Yes. The fact that Frank got that before Scott, Frank, right. Scott, you're going to have to take a laugh. Momentary focus. Yeah. Lost. All right. All right. 2019. <laughs> Uh, this is very recently in the news, if you were paying attention. Uh, blank to help his this Buffalo cause with his charity softball game. Mm, Micah Hyde. Micah Hyde. Scott Scott jumped right in on that one. Third annual happened just, uh, fourth annual, excuse me, 1920. Yeah, fourth annual happened just, uh, just Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, 2016, Bills take preemptive measure, blank to undergo shoulder surgery. Steven Buff- Strasburg. No. Um, <laughs> When's he back? Yeah. Mid-June? Never? Who knows? Um, Buffalo Bills are taking measures to prevent the possibility of blank aggravating a pre-existing shoulder condition during the season. While he could continue to play, the Bills medical staff has determined that surgery is the best course of action for the overall health of his shoulder moving forward. He had an occurrence of the condition last week, but that would not preclude him from participating in the off-season uh, program. Was this, was this um, Reggie Ragland? 
Oh, you are so close, Frank. It's you the are other the guy, right... Shaq Lawson. Yes, Shaq there Lawson. Okay. Same as the first round pick rather than the second round pick. But either way, the Bills got. I remember one of them had the shoulder issue. Okay. Right. That draft cool. got maligned because then Raglan got hurt, never played for the Bills, and Lawson right. needs to trying to recover from that surgery. Though, hey, Lawson's now playing for the Bills again, so you never know. Mm-hmm. All right, this one's a little tougher, so we're going to give you two two potential answers on this one. We're going to go back to 2012 now, so 10 years ago. Bills cornerback blank patient for his chance. And linebacker blank relishes his special team's role. I will give some hints there. You can name one of these two. Uh, these are both 2012 draft picks who thus had yet to play a game at the time of these headlines. The linebacker ended up being a full-time starter in Buffalo, actually, for four seasons. The cornerback was primarily a special teamer, an occasional starter in filling the cornerback. Both ended up leaving the Bills in 2016 to join Jim Schwartz in Philadelphia. Linebacker stuck around several years and won a Super Bowl there. The cornerback was only there one season before his career ended. Hmm. That's right. Jim Swartz leaves. Yep. Everybody's mad. Yep. He took a few guys with, not just these two. He took Leotis McKelvin. I think Mm -hmm. he took Corey Graham. You know, he grabbed everyone he could from that defense. Um, Nikel Roby. No, no, I think he went to the Rams for Buffalo. It wasn't, I sometimes will say, like, it wasn't someone, and I'm actually, like, kind of guessing that it is that person. Yes, uh, and then often you're right, and then I say, yeah. no, it is. It's a, it's a routine we've yeah. gone through several but in, but in this case, I'm fairly confident that it was not Zach Brown, right? Well, your confidence is correct that it is not Zach Brown. It's not Preston Zach Brown. Brown. It is not a Brown of it's any not, kind. It was not However, the other one. I will say the... The first two letters of that name are also the first two letters of both of these gentlemen's surnames. Okay. Of Preston or Brown? Uh, Brown. Okay. So, uh, Nigel Bradham. Nigel Bradham. My hint was going to be the linebacker has a very British first name, and that is correct. Nigel Bradham. And the other one was a cornerback. Cornerback. He shares the same last name as the stage name. Used by the late Super Dave Osborne's more famous brother. Well, now I'm going to learn who Super Dave Osborne's brother is. Um, <laughs> Super Dave Osborne's uh, brother. I will quickly go to his uh, Wikipedia page here. Um, and uh, we will note that Super Dave Osborne's brother received an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor for 1987's Broadcast News. Trade a ruthless Jewish mobster in the noir movie film Drive, starring Ryan Gosling, I believe. Was in Taxi Driver, Private Benjamin. Uh, one of my favorites that he wrote and directed and starred in, uh, Defending Your Life. Yeah, I'm fucked. I can't think of this at all. <laughs> um, um, Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, it's Robert De Niro. Yeah. Uh, the correct Bill's answer on this is Ron Brooks. Cornerback Ron, Ron Brooks, Brooks. Uh, Super He's, Dave Osborne. Sorry, Ron. Uh, born really name real name Bob Einstein. His real brother, real name Albert Einstein, not Ryan, goes by the name Albert Brooks. Mm. So you've learned all sorts of things, including why Albert Brooks, when he got into show business, is like, you know what? I think Albert Einstein may be taken as a popular name. Yeah, I'm maybe. going to go with Brooks. So mm. uh, smart move. And more more things we've learned today. All right, 2006. College Hall sets blank for induction. The Norfolk native initially thanked his parents for the way they raised Bruce him. Bruce Smith. Oh, yeah. Man, all you need was Norfolk native, and yep. Frank was right on it. All right. 2002, blank is center of attention at workout. We'll spend a week or two with blank at center, Bill's offensive coordinator Kevin Gilbride said. Mm. Then we'll move Trey Teague into center and let him do it and move blank to left tackle. I think we're going to see with Bill Connedy, Blank, and with Trey Teague, those three primarily will be the guys we're going to experiment with at center. Uh, I think he can be one of the premier centers in the league if that's a position that we afford, can afford to put him at. Well, the Bills did not put him there. Okay, so I'll give the context. This is a player going into his second year with the Bills. He had started all 12 games his rookie year as a right tackle in 2001. So they looked at him at center. They ended up moving him to left tackle. He started every game he played for the Bills there through 2004 for signing a then eye-opening seven-year, $36 million deal with the San Francisco 49ers, including $12 million in bonuses. Jonas Jennings? Jonas Jennings. Good job, you guys, today, man. All right. 2001. 
Chargers hire blank is director of player personnel. Tapping his Buffalo connections again, San Diego Chargers general manager John Butler hired blank is director of player personnel Wednesday. Blank spent the last eight seasons as a scout with the Bills. Um, he would spend eight seasons with the Bills, or eight years with the Chargers. Um, but then guess what, guys? He came back to Buffalo. And I guarantee none of us had heard of him when he signed uh, with John Butler to go to San Diego in 2001. We sure as hell heard of him when he came back to Buffalo. Doug Whaley. Oh, you are so you are on the right track there. Uh, buddy Nicks. Buddy Nicks. Buddy Nicks. Was indeed buddy. Buddy. All right. 1996, which is scarily 26 years ago now. Jeez, mm. uh, that's when I graduated from high school. All right. Kinchin leads Cadillac NFL class golf classic. This is from the Desiree News. Baltimore Ravens tight end Brian Kitchen shot a one under par 71 Friday to lead a group of 12 qualifiers into the championship round of the Cadillac NFL Golf Classic. The 12 players who advanced to the final round include the three-time defending champion place kicker Al Del Greco of the Houston Oilers, Tampa Bay quarterback Troy Dilfer, which I'm guessing should be Trent Dilfer. Come on, Desiree News, get it together. Uh, yeah, he didn't want a Super Bowl yet, though, so he didn't matter. Uh, shot a 73, and Buffalo Bills punter blank a 74. 96. Was this still Chris Moore? It was still Chris Moore. All right. You guys only have two to go. And except for the, the Braden Brooks struggles, this is going very well. All right. 1995 blank at the end of tenure decisively shows Buffalo is a winner with him. This is an LA times article. When linebacker blank left the Buffalo bills as a free agent recently after 12 seasons, he put a display ad in the Buffalo news said it had been a privilege to live in the city and play on four Super Bowl teams. He concluded, where will we ever find neighbors like this again? The Bills, he said, to the Buffalo Bills organization and to my teammates, what can I say? You were simply the best on behalf of my family. Thanks for the memories. It was my honor. Uh, Captain James Cook. <laughs> you said linebacker? Linebacker, 12 years in Buffalo, four Super Bowls started. Uh, Frank's usually better at this. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I'm going to pass to Frank. All right. No, I'm, I, I've had a real brain fart here. I'm sorry. All right, I will give one hint then, uh, which I didn't think I'd need. Uh, Spider-Man. Daryl Talley. Daryl Talley. So sorry. That. That's all right. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought I was ready to skip. No, I, I, something that came across the screen, uh, during an, an important part of the clue. And so I think if I had been paying better attention, that would have been easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you got to close only fans when we're doing this day in Bill's that's headlines. <laughs> Look, all right. I have to make money for my family. <laughs> oh, that was an excellent twist. That well was done. well done. That was well done, Dolphin level twist by Frank. All right. <laughs> Last headline. Uh, this one, I feel the pressure's a little more on Scott on this one. So we're going to go 1989. Bill's rookie is hoping a dual career is in the cards. When the Buffalo Bills broke minicamp Saturday, rookie defensive back Blank took off for St. Petersburg, Florida to pursue his other sporting vocation, baseball. Blank is under contract to the St. Louis Cardinals who made him a first-round draft pick last summer, and he intends to play for one of their minor league affiliates until early July before going to Bill's training camp. Depending on how contract negotiations go with the Bills, he'd like to continue to bounce between sports and the same uh, the same way a well-known football player slash baseball player slash athletic footwear spokesman has been doing since 1987, which, of course, referenced Bo Jackson. Uh, Marv Levy very publicly did not approve of this, but definitely supported the guy. Uh, he was then, according to Marv Levy, the last player the Bills cut in 1989. <coughs> I hope picked that's up... not Neon Deion Sanders that we nope, that he's okay. coming up in this. He was picked okay. up by the Falcons, where he played defensive back from 1989 to 1991, starting across from Deion Sanders uh, in real life and in Tecmo Super Bowl, most importantly. So he's on that game. Mm. And they were both two sport athletes. He had uh, five interceptions and four sacks in his brief NFL career. He led Atlanta on tackles and was voted an NFC alternate to the 91 Pro Bowl. But in June 1992, he signed a contract with St. Louis, giving him a large signing bonus to give up football and play baseball exclusively and thus ending his football career. This is where I expect uh, Scott to maybe get a, a, a little brain stimulation. This was a very good outfielder. He finished his career with 15-year Major League Baseball career with a 282 average. 
including an all-star nod in his first of three seasons with the Atlanta Braves in 1999 when he hit 23 home runs to go with 115 RBIs. He serves as a Braves T-game pregame analyst on Braves Live, the official pregame show on uh, Fox Sportsnet South and Sports South, and he's active in the Atlanta community with his foundation and uh, his children's book, I Told You I Can Play. Um, is it is it Brian Jordan? Oh, Scott does not yes. let me down. Wow, good job. Was not it many. was it the pregame show? Was it the all? No, music? no. I, I mean, I, I mean, my late nineties Braves knowledge is is slightly better than my late nineties Bills knowledge, actually. Okay. So in some ways, it's it's fair. All it's right. Fun. Well, yeah. uh, that was excellent, gentlemen, and that was this day in Bills headlines for May seventeenth. Oh. Well, we've come to another episode end, my friends, and that was a big sigh for you. Um, hopefully you're 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 not sighing like that uh, in your own time. But if you are, hey, I'm glad you joined us. Maybe we maybe we gave you a little something to laugh about, something to think about. We have uh, we will be getting on to camps sooner than everybody else because it is based on the opening day. Uh, your first game. And so uh, the Bills and the Rams will have the opportunity to start their camps three days earlier than everybody else. Uh, so maybe we will as well. Uh, please look forward to some wacky schedule. Look forward to maybe some this bad take. Um, we'll kind of go into our, uh, not our summer lull, but our summer slowdown where. Our off-season you know, programming. Yeah, you're, you're going to get a little month without us here probably, guys. Yeah, you're yeah. going to get some time here, okay? We got families and things and. You know, there's only so much football we can we can pretend we care about, especially when we get, you know, the Patreon's been slow, guys. Okay, right. Say. And <laughs> OnlyFans.com slash BBillsMNY, not the hit we hope it would be. <laughs> no. Don't go there. Um, but do look for. <laughs> no, please go there. No. Buffalo Bills, maybe next year. <laughs> On nearly all platforms where audio and is available. Um just look for our podcast and uh, mostly just baking recipes on OnlyFans, right? Yeah, right. Yes. Go ahead. It's very, it's very classic. If you want to le- learn our wing recipe, that's where you go. To. Yep. Gluten-free very, cookies. Go to our OnlyFans. Very classy. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Kick, and I'm sure we got a Discord. And we need a we need a TikTok channel. That's TikTok. Fair. Well, it, we've had a TikTok, you know, um, grinder <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> The other one where you swipe right and yeah, I think one, there's Tinder, Bumble. Yeah, the one where you swipe left. That one's good too. Yeah, and uh, look for our new show on the CW starting in July. <laughs> Opposite yeah, Stargirl yeah. and Flash, right? Because they canceled our UPN show when well UPN what, left. What can we say? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hoping you're having a, a good day and a good uh, a good time. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Goodbye, everybody.